Welcome in, everybody. Hey, everyone. Welcome back for another Better Together podcast. Mm -hmm. We are coming to you live. Yes. And once again, this from is your the Better Together <laughs> Studios. <laughs> Co host Jay Hauk. Yep. And I'm Justin Hauk. And we just have a special podcast for you guys today. Mm -hmm. um, we're going to be hearing a message from our own here, Jay Hauk. Mm -hmm. And he's going to be bringing it to us. And it's just going to be a special Easter message. Yeah. So uh, the other day when I was just walking and just praying, I just felt like God laid this on my heart. This is a message I gave a couple years ago. And I do believe that this is just a message of encouragement for this time right now. Yeah. Yeah. So we're um, going to jump right into it. Uh, but first, we got a couple quick things to remind you guys of that we have coming up for you. So first off, we have our drive through Easter egg hunt. And so that's happening this next week. Came so up excited. super quick. Yep. So that's going to be April 5th through 11th. Uh, question. Yes. What happens if it snows? Uh, it's still going down. Um, just try to move your decorations around um, so that they can still be seen. Awesome. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so um, we're going to have, we actually have uh, 25 houses signed up. So good. So pretty awesome. So it, good. I mean, going into last week, we had like three. Yeah. <laughs> and then all of a sudden it boomed. So yeah. um, everybody wants to get involved with this. Um, just do it. Um, so basically what you're going to do is you're going to find the golden eggs. You're going to text in, tell us how many eggs that you found and send us one picture and that will qualify you for the win. It's pretty easy. And so we have 32 victory bags and it'll be come, first come first serve on it. Uh, so excited about these victory bags as well. I mean, I've just seen the prizes that are going in there and I just think that there's a lot of love that's going into these bags. I've been watching, yep. watching them set these things up and man, I'm, I'm excited for, for the families that are going to receive these. Yeah. So it's going to be awesome. And so just so everybody knows, we will deliver the bags to you. So when you text in for your victory prize, text us your addresses. Um, and basically, uh, just so everybody knows as well, we have practiced social distancing with all of this. Mm -hmm. Um, from beginning to end, like when we deliver these bags, we're just going to be dropping them off. They have been here at the Better Together Studios. Um, they'll be sitting here for three days. Oh, yeah. They've been untouched. sitting for almost a week. Everything's now. been mm -hmm. Clorox wiped, Lysoled. Yep. So don't worry. We got it covered. Yep. Um, next thing is, is that we're pretty excited about. Dude, very excited. Yeah. So we just came, we just came up with this this morning. And, um, so we basically just wanted to come up with something that we can do for you guys for Easter. Yeah. So we're inviting you to join us on Easter at 6.30 AM Pacific yes. time. And we're going to be here. We're going to be here coming to you live from Better Together Studios once again. Yep. And we are going to be presenting this on Zoom. Yeah. So if you have not set yourself up with Zoom yet be sure to set yourself up and we're going to get the link set up so that we could get you, uh, get it out there so that we can all be together as a family. We actually have Meg priest, um, mm -hmm. doing worship for us from Texas. Yep. So Love this technology, man. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. You can sign in for me, right? Why don't you tell people how to 
get Zoom? How to get on Zoom? So basically, all you do is you you can go to your app store um, and you just type in Zoom, and it'll lead you to the app. You just uh, basically just get the app going. And if you can't do it from like, say, if you want to do it from your computer, then you just Google Zoom and um, and it'll show you, it'll, it'll give you the directions. It's, it's honestly very easy. We've been using that for a while and I know it's gotten really popular right now yeah. because of the situation. Right. But seriously, if you haven't got on Zoom yet, get on Zoom. It's a really cool thing. Yeah. Almost as cool as Marco Polo. Ooh, yeah, almost. So, okay. So you guys heard it. Get on Zoom, download it, find it on the internet familiar yourself with it. Mm -hmm. And we'll be sharing the link, I think on Facebook and Instagram. Instagram. And, um, and also you can uh, just send me a message directly. You could uh, send me a message if you have my number and I will send it to you as well. The invite. Okay. Awesome. So let's get into it. All right, guys. So um, basically this was a message that was given two years ago um, on Easter and it all started on March 28th, believe it or not, actually March 29th, which was uh, mine and Andrea's birthday. And so we were actually 20 years old as Christians when, <laughs> when this message started to come about. So this is the day before Good Friday uh, when some news came. And I'm going to basically be getting into the, all this uh, throughout this message. So this message was titled, uh, What is Life? And I think that's such a great thing to think about today. What is life? And so mm-hmm. if you could just join with me, just sit quiet here for about 30 minutes and I'm going to bring you this message. And, um, and I think that this is going to be impactful as it was on Easter. On Easter, we have uh, so many people just rededicate their lives to Christ or give their lives to Christ um, because God is just really moving. Uh, he was moving then and he's moving today. And I really think he wants us to draw near to him. So this message, once again, is called What is Life? So today, uh, wherever you're at with your relationship with God, whether you have a great relationship with him or no relationship at all, my prayer is that today you will walk away wanting more of him. The Bible says in the book of Job, for the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives life. What is life? Oftentimes this question is asked when we are going through hard times, when we have disappointments in our lives, we begin to question, what is life? I remember 22 years ago, I began to question life, ask this question, what is life? And it led me on the spiritual journey. So here's some very response, various responses I found on the trusted internet, as you guys can trust the internet. <laughs> life is neither fixed nor absolute. It is unclear, has many meanings. Life is sadness. Life is death. But life also is happiness. Life is living. My favorite one is this. Life is the result of a horny universe. That's right. Hot and bothered, the need to breed. Poor, lonely universe wants some company, some family time. (laughs) Isn't that ridiculous? (laughs) George Harrison even wrote a song about this question. The song is called, What is Life? A couple of the lyrics say this. What is life without your love? Who am I without you by my side? A recent poll shows one third of Americans say they're happy with their life. 59% of Americans say people are at their lowest point. Now, remember, this was two years ago. I think that if this poll was done today, it'd probably be even higher than that of people saying that they're at their lowest point. Yeah. Well, the Bible also says, for the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. For the spirit of God has made me and the breath of the almighty gives me life. So what is life? The dictionary defines life as in the physical sense, the time between birth and death, the existence of an individual. 
I think that's why so many people today are not happy questioning what life really is. So we're born and then we die. And there are some things that happen in between. That sounds pretty depressing to me. And believe me, it did depress me to the point of wanting to end my life. If this is what life is, what's the point of living? You may be asking that right now or have asked that. Notice how in the Bible, Job says that it was God's breath that gave him life. When God first created man, it wasn't until God breathed into his nostrils that he came to life. Life really isn't life until we allow God really to breathe his life into us. So breath, that's the sense of life that vitalizes humanity. It gives strength and energy. We read in the Bible, it says, this is what the sovereign Lord says. Look, I'm going to put breath into you and make you live again. So what is life? In Hebrew, life is defined to revive, to nourish up, or to be whole. We're not whole until we allow the breath of God to enter into us. We will continue to search for the meaning of life until we realize that we need God to be a part of this life with us. There's a story in the Bible that most of us have heard, and it's about the man who brought back to, who was brought back to life, Lazarus. But I believe what happened here was Lazarus' sisters truly learned the meaning of life. I think if we're there hanging out with them and after their brother had died, they may have been asking the question, like, what is life? Jesus came and gave them the answer. He showed up on the scene after Lazarus had died. Mary and Martha, Lazarus' sisters, thought he was too late. He came too late to the scene. Many of us feel like that today. Like, what is God doing today? Like, he's coming too late to the scene. Like, we're, we're literally hearing right now, like, a thousand people dying a day. And we're wondering, like, where's God in all this? Is God too late? Is God showing up late? Like, did he even know about this coronavirus? If only God had shown up earlier, if only God would have been there. But Jesus is having this conversation with Martha as he likes to do with us. Jesus told her that her brother will rise again, meaning he will stand up. He will stand again. He will be lifted up. So she said, I know, Lord, that he will rise at the resurrection day. But then Jesus said to her, Jesus said to her, he said, I am the resurrection and the life. He says, he who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? What a question that Jesus is asking her. Do you believe this? And that's the question that God is asking us today. Like, do you believe in this? Once again, we come to this question, what is life? Jesus says that he is the resurrection and the life. So resurrection, that's the entire reason why we actually celebrate Easter is because of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's not for all those other reasons, although we establish all those all those other reasons. We have fun, like how we're doing the Easter egg drive-by hunt next week and like how on Easter day, you know, your kids get excited to see the Easter baskets and, and all those fun things, you know, and who knows if we're even going to be able to do that this year. I know one of the traditions is to get like C's candy on Easter, you know, and have those Easter eggs. And I don't even know if people are going to be able to do that. I know that people will be able to possibly color eggs if they have some coloring kits. Yeah. or even boil the eggs or maybe draw on them. I don't know what creativeness will come out this Easter, but there's a lot of different things that people do on Easter. But really the main reason why we celebrate Easter is because of the resurrection of our Lord and Savior. Mm -hmm. So resurrection means to return to life. It's a better state. It's eternal happiness. It's literally from death to life. And so how many of us want to be in a better state today? How many of us want this eternal happiness? How many of us would want to return to life from death to life? 
Jesus says he is these things. He is the resurrection. He is the only one that could return to life. He is the only one that could give you a better state, a lasting better state, not just a temporary state, but a lasting better state. Jesus is the one who can truly bring life. Jesus says, whoever believes in me will live. So to live means to have an existence as opposed to non-existence. To live means to be restored. So many people out there, they feel like that they don't exist. They feel like they're in non-existence. If they're gone, nobody would even care. This is why only one third of Americans say they're happy. They don't realize how truly loved they are by their creator. The Bible says, before I formed you in the womb, I knew you. Before you were born, I set you apart. It also says that you're fearfully and wonderfully made. So maybe someone has told you that you're a mistake, that you don't matter, that you're non-existent. Jesus says, who, who believes in me, whoever lives, Jesus is telling you today that you do matter, that others may reject you. Others may say these things to you. You may even tell yourself these things like right now you could be isolated. You could be alone and nobody could come over to visit you. You can't go out into the public because you have um, been told to stay home. And so maybe these things are affecting you even stronger. Maybe right now, these words are coming even louder that you don't matter, that you don't exist. Nobody would even notice if you were gone, you know, because you're alone and you're told to stay alone. But I'm telling you today that Jesus says that he loves you and that you do matter. That's why he died on the cross for you. And that's why he rose again. And that's how much that he loves you. But Jesus says today, believe in me. Let me breathe life into you. Let me in and show you how much I truly do love you. Let me give you the answer to what is life. That breath, that breathing, just Jesus wants to give that to you right now. There's another story in the Bible of one who was raised from the dead. This was a young boy. His mom and dad were good people. They showed great hospitality to Elisha. And um, <clears throat> well, one day Elisha wanted to bless them for their kindness because you see these people would always give a place for Elisha to stay. And Elisha was this prophet, if you don't know. And so they created this space for Elisha. Well, one day Elisha wanted to bless them for his kindness. And the only thing that he saw that they needed was a boy. They were older in age. At least the Bible talks about the husband being older. So he promised them the next year that they would have this child. The next year came, they did have this child, a boy. One day the boy was with his dad out in the field, stated having this crazy uh, headache. Like this little boy just had this crazy headache. So the dad had one of his servants carry the boy to his mom. The Bible said that the boy was with his mom and then died. The mom carried him up to the room where Elisha would stay and laid him on the bed and told no one that he had died. Then she told her husband she was going to see Elisha. And so she said that she was going to run to the man of God. And I wonder how many of us think of running to God, like not walking, but running to him. Like right now, whatever your circumstances are, you know, like, like, you know, you need to run to the man of God. You need to run to God right now. And so then um, the husband was clueless, asked some dumb questions as most husbands do. And then she was off to get the man of God. When she got to Elisha, Elisha's servant tried to stop her from getting close to Elisha. Oftentimes that will happen. Like we're going to go to God, but people will try to persuade us like not to go to him. We'll try to prevent us. People will say stupid things. People will try to um, distract us from going to him. But I'm telling you right now that you need to go to God and don't let anything distract you. She pressed through as we need to do. 
press through and Elisha recognizes her distress. He even says, for her soul is in deep distress. Whether you realize it or not, God sees your hurts. He sees your pain. He sees your distress. Before you even go to him, he already sees that. He just wants you to come to him. So next, Elisha sends the servant ahead of him and the mom, and he has the servant go with his staff. Maybe the servant was faster than they were. We don't know. Maybe hoping the staff would work for the healing. And so the servant got there, laid the staff on the boy's head, but it didn't heal him. The servant runs back to meet Elisha and tells him, he says, the child has not awakened. Well, at this point, is Elisha discouraged? Is the servant discouraged? What about the mom? Has she lost hope? I believe the mom already knew that it wouldn't work, that she went to the source where life can be restored. So she went to the one that was representing God. Many of us, we tend to look for other sources, other things to get to life, to get things fixed. But just as the staff didn't work, neither will those things other than God. And I believe that truly right now that God is pointing that out to us, that he is saying, hey, look at that extra work isn't working. That money isn't working. You know, this isn't working because nobody is able to dodge this virus right now. Nobody is, is not being affected. Like literally everybody in the world is being affected. And so those that are trying to use the staff, it's not working because God wants you to go to him. So this is where we're going to pick it up in the story. And so I want to read this to you from the Bible. It says in 2 Kings 4, it says, When Elisha came into the house, there was the child lying dead on his bed. He went in, therefore, shut the door behind the two of them and prayed to the Lord. And he went up and he lay on the child and put his mouth on his mouth, his eyes on his eyes, and his hands on his hands. As he stretched himself out on the child and the flesh of the child became warm, he returned and walked back and forth in the house and again went up and stretched himself out on him. Then the child sneezed seven times, and the child opened his eyes. Elisha sees this boy dead. No life in this boy. This boy is in ruins. Ruins speaks of former glory. Ruins is an image of former devastation, former battles. Ruins is broken remains, even abandonment. Ruins is something that once was and is no longer. And so maybe you feel like that boy, maybe you feel like that you're in this such ruin, like you have no life left. You're just broken remains. You once were, but are no longer like you once had work, but now you don't have any work. You once were healthy, but now you don't have that health. You once had all these things set up for this year, like 2020 is going to be amazing. But now all of a sudden this thing is coming. So you feel like that you're in ruins. Like you feel like that you're in this devastation time, like you once were, but now you know more. Well, Elisha sees this and he closes the door and he gets alone with the Lord and he prays to the God Almighty. Although Elisha is a man of God, he is not God. And we must remember that, that we represent God, but we are not God. You're not God. I am not God. We represent God. So look how Elisha lays on the boy, his mouth on his mouth. I remember um, this was a couple years ago and Andrea was joking about this, saying that, um, that this was the first CPR that was recognized in the Bible. So Elisha puts his eyes on the boy's eyes, his hands on the boy's hands. And this, I believe, represents exactly what Christ did for us. He came down from glory, seeing that you and I are dead, that we need this revival, that we need reviving, that we're in ruins. He came down and he put his mouth on our mouth. He put his eyes on our eyes, his hands on our hands. He became one of us so that he could revive us, so that he could bring us back to life, so that he could resurrect us. So notice how Elisha gets done with this and the flesh of the child becomes warm. Was this from the body heat Elisha maybe? Some people say, was this because he was in the beginning of getting restored? The Bible doesn't explain much of this. 
But Elisha doesn't quit. He doesn't give up. So many of us, we try something, it doesn't work, so we just quit. We just give up. We see a glimpse of change, but we don't see the life come back, so we walk away. How many of you have just walked away from some things that you're trying right now? Like maybe you're in your second or third week of being at home, and you've tried some different things, but you've just decided that, oh, these things aren't working. I'm going to walk away. Maybe you've been praying for someone to come, you know, to get healed and and they're not all the way healed yet, you know, and so you're just going to give up and you're going to walk away. You know, the thing is, is that we can't give up in the 11th hour, you know, is that we need to keep pressing and we need to keep going after it. We can't give up right now. So Elisha, he does this again. He does this a second time. And we read that the child sneezed seven times and the child opened his eyes. He sneezed seven times to show that this was the work of God. It wasn't just once, it wasn't just twice, but it was seven times. He sneezed seven times casting out all those diseases that were taking his life that put him in this ruined stage. This boy was revived. And so to be revived is to live again, to receive again a life that was almost expired, to rekindle in a flame which was nearly extinguished. So what is life? I recently read that life sometimes touches one person with a bouquet and another with a thorn. But the first may find a wasp in the bouquet of flowers, while the other may find a rose in the thorn. So today you may have been dealt the bouquet and got stung by the wasp. Or you may have been dealt the thorn and you're still looking for the rose. These things may have caused you to question life, maybe even question God. So let me finish off with this. And this is where I really started thinking about this from the couple days ago. You see, two years ago uh, was when my dad had died. This was my biological dad. And I was remember sharing about this because this was Thursday when I got the notification and then Friday was good Friday and we were preaching. Uh, it was me and, uh, and, uh, pastor Tanner from, uh, rain Springs Calvary chapel and the pastor from green Valley Lake Calvary chapel. And we all gathered together. And I remember just telling Tanner what had happened. And he was like, man, you must just be devastated. And nothing had really hit me at that point. But one thing you may realize or not realize about me is that I have had a life of rejection from my dad. At five, he basically abandoned me and my brother. And around 20, I, I decided, and not basically abandoned, he did abandon, like yeah. literally, like once uh, once I turned five and it might even be been four, I can't remember, but I never saw him again. Mm-hmm. And so around 20, I decided to search him out to try to get this relationship with him. And, um, we were, uh, we were good. You know, like I saw him out. I remember, um, asking my mom if she thought that was a good idea. And, 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 uh, and so she helped me to actually find him. And I found him through my grandparents who were out there in Tennessee and, uh, and talked with them a little bit. And then they searched him out. He's a truck driver and he happened to uh, deliver out here to California. So he'd go from uh, Mississippi to California. That was kind of his, his re- weekly schedule. And so, I remember Justin was about, um, let's see if I was 20 or yeah, 20. So maybe 21. So you're probably about three years old and, um, three or four years old when he came into Bud's life and, uh, and started to gain this relationship with him and, um, and everything went good. Um, you know, we were seeing him almost like on a weekly basis playing golf with him, me and my brother, uh, we'd play golf. Sometimes Bud would go out. I felt like I was a little older. I feel like that too. I but feel like I was like six or yeah. seven or something. Yeah. So it must have been a little bit older. I'm not really sure. But um, anyway, so we we started to gain this relationship. And if you've ever been abandoned by your mom or by your dad, 
then you kind of get this fairy tale that goes in your mind, you know, of like who they were and, and what it was about. And so, um, so we were having this, this relationship that was, that was gaining ground and it was good. Um, anyway, so then, uh, so then once, once we became Christians, then he abandoned the relationship again. And so it was really weird just because he couldn't handle the changes that we were doing. I mean, cause the Lord literally just turned our lives upside down and we did a 180, and he just couldn't understand it. Um, I remember my grandpa had became a Christian right about the same the same time, and and I was gaining this great relationship with my grandpa. And I remember uh, Sonny, who is my dad, um, he didn't understand how God could forgive, you know, for all the bad things that my grandpa had done to him. And I remember my grandpa would talk to me, you know, just uh, to tell me about the various ways that he would go to um, his son, who was my dad, you know, just telling him about you know, the things that he did was wrong and asked for forgiveness. And, and Sonny was just having a very difficult time with that, you know, because he didn't believe that, um, that somebody should just be forgiven. Of course, the selfishness in him never looked at the things that he had done wrong, like abandoning me, uh, at right. five years old, you know, and, yeah, no, and that was perfect. <laughs> <laughs> and if only he would have looked at those things and he would have realized that he could have been forgiven as well. But anyways, um, years went by. I worked on rekindling that relationship um, all those years. I mean, literally for several years, you know, just trying to um, get the relationship back. And um, the other day I was sitting, um, this was, remember, this was two years ago, sitting there at the dinner table and it was, um, it was all of us and, and we were trying to figure out what we were doing, but we must just been eating dinner, just hanging out. And, um, and then I get this call from my aunt and she had said that he had just died. And so here's the thing is that he died from liver cancer. Although he died quickly from it, his wish was for me not to see him. My aunt said that he felt like that there was never really a relationship anyways. So why should I be notified? And so that kind of struck me, you know, because, um, cause I'd been trying so hard on building this relationship again. I remember, um, he was kind of on his deathbed. And, uh, and Andrea and I, we drove out there to Tennessee. We had some good friends stop by, pray over him, which basically revived him back to life. And, um, and all that didn't matter, you know? So I realized after dissecting this whole thing that it was rejection, rejection at the age of five, rejection in the early twenties, rejection all the way to the end. He rejected the relationship, the relationship that I was trying to have with him, the relationship that my family was trying to have with him. He rejected it all the way until the day that he died. The sad thing is that I so much desired to have this relationship, but he didn't. And the same thing goes with our Lord is that he so much desires to have a relationship with you. So much desires to have this relationship with me and that he does everything to get our attention, to show us how he loves us, to seek us out. Even when we run, even when we abandon him, he still desires this relationship and some may reject this relationship all the way to the end. The thing is, is don't be that person. The Bible says today, if you're here's voice, don't harden your heart. So what is life? The life that God wants to give you is to resurrect you, to take your dead life and make it alive. God wants to revive you. He wants to take what it was in ruins and rebuild it. So the question is, is will you do this today? Will you receive Christ into your heart? Will you allow him to take you from ruins to righteousness? Will you allow him to take a life that just had no meaning where you just felt like that? You just wake up one day 
and that the next day you just die and whatever happens in between is that dash. You know, is that what life is to you right now or does life actually have a meaning behind it? And so what I'm asking you today, and I think that this is why the Lord just put this on my heart, was to make sure that we're all in the right place with him. You know, is that there's a lot of things that are going on out there that is really discouraging, that is really breaking our hearts. But we know that when we have a God that we can turn to, when we have this relationship with him, that he gives us the peace even in it, even in the midst. I remember last year, I had such a good friend that I just um, really knew that the Lord was going to heal him. He, he had, he had gotten cancer as well. And God just told me that he was going to heal him. And I remember just telling him and just talking to him through this, you know, like, Hey man, God's going to heal you. I know he is. I know he is. I know he is. And I kept on holding on to that all the way up until the day that the Lord took him home. And what the Lord told me after all that was that he did heal him, but he's just healed in heaven. And so we may have some loved ones that are going to be passing from this coronavirus, some that are really close to us, some good friends. We don't know. We're praying against that. We're asking the Lord to, to not allow that to happen, but it may or may not happen. But the ultimate thing is, is that if we have this relationship with God, is that you do have that ultimate healing. Right. And that's the, that's the, that's the amazing thing. And so, you know, maybe today you just feel really alone. Maybe today you feel rejected. You know, maybe you had a situation like I had with, with your parents, you know, with your mom or dad, or maybe with both of them. But the thing is, is that we have a good father that doesn't reject us. And I remember once I received Christ, that that was one thing that God told me right off the bat was that I am now your father and I will never leave you or abandon you. And that's an ultimate awesome thing. Yeah. Love that. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So that's my story, guys. That's the message I gave a couple years ago. And I hope that you, um, obviously, I put some more things into it because when you're preaching, you're kind of uh, standing at, at the uh, at the pulpit, you know, <laughs> and you're different. getting a feel off of uh, people's faces and stuff like that. But right now, I just know that God has said that to some of you. Um, I it would encourage you just to share this, you know, um, to others. And, yeah. uh, and if you have any questions or anything like that, please feel free to hit us up. You could reach us on Facebook. You can find us there, Better Together, uh, Disaster Relief. You can find us on Instagram at, uh, what is it, Better Together? Yep. And, uh, or you could always just send me a text. You know, I could um, give you my number um, and and just reach out to me. Yeah. Actually, I think on Instagram, it's BT Disaster Relief. BT Disaster Relief. Okay. And so anyways, guys, um, we'll be bringing another podcast to you next week. Right, bud? Yep. All right. That's right, man. And so make sure that you, uh, that you share this and, uh, I think we should finish off how we always finish off. Yes. I completely agree with that. All right. You ready? I'm ready. Okay. Remember, Remember guys, guys, in, in the, the midst, midst of life storms, we are always better, better together. together. Boom. Love you guys.